Today's daf is Dafsadi. We are holding three lines down from the top of Pei Tesamid Beis. We uh, were in the middle of a sugya yesterday where we discussed that if a woman damages someone, so our Mishnah said that the woman is unable to pay. So it's like the Gyosan Ra, because what is she going to pay you with? We said that a woman had, so you better stay away because the woman, it's, it's uh, the, the Gemara discussed why can't we force her to sell the ksuva betovas hano. The future value of the ksuva, there's a value. Let us sell it. Let's get the money for that and use that money to offset the damages to that third party. And the one says we can't do that because if you force the woman to sell, she's going to be mocha luxuva to her husband. And if she's mocha luxuva to the husband, it's going to cause dam, it's going to cause a loss to the buyer, because now what his paper is worthless. We don't, we don't uh, do that. So Gmora, this, the Gmora now brings down the second part of the Brisa, which deals with what happens if the damage is to the husband. Now, when the damage is to the husband, it's a whole different story, because now you can say, go cause her, force her to sell the ksuva. What are you going to say? Is, we can't force her to sell, because if you force her to sell the ksuva to pay for the damages, you know what? She's going to be moichel luxuva to her husband. <laughs> Good, let her be moichel luxuva to her husband. The husband doesn't care. He now gets money right away for the, the uh, offsetting the damages. Why, so why wouldn't you... Uh, now... The only thing is, you can't sell to a third party because you're still going to have the problem. So who should she sell the ksuva to? The husband. <laughs> the husband would be willing to pay. Listen, he covers himself. He covers himself. If, if uh, let's say the ksuva is worth $10,000 and on the market you can get $2,000 for it, right? So now that $2,000 will go for the damages. The husband's willing to... He would be willing to pay her $2,000 because now he, he, he's, he's covered himself on the ksuva. If, even if he dies first, the ksuva is not, doesn't have to be paid out to her. It'll go to his yorshim. So the point that the Gemara is making is saying is that, that now what, what is the only problem is that, that if, she, if, you, if you cede to the husband, he's going to be moichel. Let him, she's not going to be moichel to, or why should she be moichel? What gain is there? If she, even if she is moichel, there's no loss to the husband over here. He gains more. If, if she's moichel, it's even, there's no loss at all. He gained what he needed to gain, which was the $2,000 uh, to purchase the, 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 the ksuva or to offset the damages. So the one who wants to know, basically, this din that a woman doesn't have to pay for damages, does it apply when she damages her husband? That's, that's what this Bryce is dealing with here. So why is it like this? V'chein, so too. He shechabla v'balo, that when she damages her husband, lo hivsidaks miksuvoso. That we don't, she hasn't lost the ksuva, means we don't make her seed the ksuva. Top of Peitesma uh, base. We don't make her lose the ksuva. Amai. Says so, why not? What's the logic for the Bryce? So that's saying is, there's no difference whether she damaged someone else or she damaged her husband. Why not? Let her sell the ksuva to her husband. Again, he's not going to pay the full value of the ksuva. He's going to pay the future value of what that ksuva would be worth, what the market would pay for that note. Right? As an offset to the damage that was occurred. That occurred. So if it's a two thousand dollar damage, the ksuva was ten thousand dollars. She gets two thousand dollars in the market. So basically, she then should uh, the ksuva should be sold to the husband for two thousand dollars, which he would be pay, which would be willing to pay. But instead of paying her, what does he do? He offsets the damage that she caused him. So now he owns her ksuva completely for the $2,000. Di machla, because even if you tell me, oh, the promise is going to be mochal, who's giving mochal to? Machla legabe baal. So therefore, uh, uh, she's going to be mochal to the husband anyway, like Abseda. So therefore, there would be no loss whatsoever. So Gmar said, we tried to give this answer yesterday, but for sure this answer works today. One of the, uh, uh, the, the, the concepts behind having a woman have a ksuva is to create a repercussion if the man wants to just go out arbitrarily and divorce his wife. So therefore, we create a ksuva that it's going to cost you. So says the Gemara, that's why over here you can't do this. Because if you've now created a mechanism that he now owns her ksuva, 
There's nothing stopping him. There's no leverage, There's no leverage anymore. So you don't want to do it. Where it says, Ha'avadai, Rav Me'ayi. That's for sure. The reason we can't do this going like Rav Me'ayi. I mean, the, the bride says she doesn't lose a ksuva. The question the Gemara asks, why not? There's no problem here. I'm deherbing mochal. Yeah, but the problem is that if you now let him own her ksuva... Now there's no more leverage to stopping him from divorcing her. That's prohibited for a man to even remain one moment without a We don't want to have Jewish girls being subjected to the whim of the man that he can just divorce so arbitrarily and therefore we don't want this happening. So it says more like this. One second. Let's analyze this for a moment. The logic that a woman has to have a is what? Because we don't want her to be able to get divorced, that make it difficult for him to divorce her. You're gonna, you're on the hook if you divorce her. He says that doesn't apply here. Why doesn't it apply over here? Because let's say we don't force her to sell him the ksuva, which means now this guy was damaged for two thousand dollars, right? And now he has no way of re- 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 of getting the two thousand dollars back. Now Bishlom, if you tell me, you know what? Let's make her sell her ksuva. So then she, uh, t- to him, and offset the thing. Your, your problem is now she's out of Suva, so he's going to be able to divorce her. He's going to divorce her anyway. If she doesn't pay him for that, then the only way he can get his money back is if he divorces her. Once he divorces her, now she comes into her ksuva. Now he can use that money for her ksuva to pay off the damage. So the whole shot over here that you, the, 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 the to, to stop to, to incentivize against divorce by not letting her use the ksuva to pay off the damages when, and still stay married, you're actually in, in, incentivizing the husband over here to divorce her, to be able to collect from her ksuva to pay off the damages. Assuming that she divorces her like that, that he gets to get the, keep the money. That would be the din, for sure. After, because Allah was, only while she's married, she doesn't, but she, after she gets, after, after she gets divorced, she owes him the money, she has to pay. So Mela, therefore, the, he's, he, he, there's an incentive for him now to divorce her because he knows she's going to have the money. How does he know he's going to have the money? He's going to have to pay out the ksuva. I don't know, I'm missing something here. If he divorces her without a good reason, without a good reason, he doesn't get to keep the money. He has to give it to her, right? But right. now she owes him money for damage. So, so he's going to collect it back for the damages. Against right. her from the previous that's damage, correct. And it just stays in a base. That's, that's unlike a child who's not chayev by an isha or an eved, they are chayev. They just don't have the money to pay. And that when they get the money, then they have to pay. We learned that earlier. So says the Gemara like this: Time am I? The whole reason for Rav Meir was that you don't want it to be easy; that there should not be a, there should be an incentive against divorcing her. But here he is going to want to divorce her in order to be able to collect the damages. So your whole point of not having her pay while she's married, because now he'll own her ksuva, that now she can't live with him without a ksuva. If I cared, not having her pay is going to be a reason for him to divorce so they can collect on the ksuva. Sigmar says like this. The, the, now these words are just redundant. I don't know why there's no parentheses around them. But is just a repetition of the line before. So just, you know, you should actually just, those words don't need to be read in, it's just a uh, redundancy. Sigmar says like this. I'll tell you the pshat over here. If the damages are, let's say, only worth $2,000 and the ksuva is worth $10,000, the husband's not going to be incentivized to divorce her. Because why would he divorce her to pay out $10,000 in order to only be able to collect $2,000? So therefore, that's what the Brysa means, that she doesn't have to pay, and we're not, she doesn't have to pay. Meaning like this, it would come out though, it would come out that let's say the value of the damage was either equal to or more than the value of the ksuva. Then Einachinami, we would make her pay the, the, the husband whatever the, uh, or deduct the value of the Tobasano against the damages. Because here you don't have that Svara. The only Svara over here was we don't want to make him own the Ksuva because it's easy for him to divorce her. Right? We say we don't want to make him own because it's easy. It'll be here. Now he doesn't have no, no incentive to not divorce her. So we said, ah, he'll divorce her anyway to collect. No. The reason why he won't divorce her anyway to collect is why? Because it's $10,000 and the end's only. But that's only true if it's a $10,000 Ksuva. But what if it's a $2,000 Ksuva and it's a $2,000 
$5,000 worth of damages. In that case, it's in her best interest to sell him the rights of her ksuva because if she doesn't sell him the rights of her ksuva then there's no reason that he's not going to divorce her to offset the damages because the damages are equal to or, or more than the value of the ksuva right that's what would come out right so when it says like this because for the small amount that he collects that to pay off the damages, lo mafsi tuva is not going to want to divorce her to lose the greater balance of the ksuva, which he's not going to recoup. So the Gemara is like this. However, says the Gemara like this: there is the the, the first one hundred zuz by an almona, or the first two hundred zuz by a basula. That's that's required. That's either the raisa, as the Gemara says, some says not the raisa, but it's a required amount. There is tosefus ksuva. Means you can give a woman, instead of a 2,200 uh, zoos, you can give her 1,000 zoos. Means that some way you show the value to your wife, you give her a ksuva of 1,000. So says the Gemara like this. If the ksuva is worth more than the, the required 200 zoos, we could still force her to sell. What we could do is like this. We could say, listen, 200 zoos leave intact. That we're not going to uh, affect. So therefore, she has a ksuva. Following Rav Meir's dictate, she'll always have a ksuva. But let's say the remaining 800 zuz of her ksuva, what's the market pli- pli- price for that? So let's say the 800 zuz, the market price for that would be uh, 200 zuz or 250 zuz. Somebody be willing to pay for the balance of her ksuva. So she should at least deduct... She should sell the Tosefus Ksuva to her husband at the value of 250 zoos to offset the damages. Because what's your core problem? The question going to be, oh no, now, now she doesn't have a Ksuva? No, because we're going to leave the 200 intact and only force her to sell the Tosefus Ksuva. So says the Gemara, If the Ksuva she has has a Tosefus, has an addition to the mandate of 200 or 100 Zuz let's leave her with her 200 Zuz Ksuva, meaning we'll rewrite the Ksuva at 200. The and the balance she should sell to him. I mean again, sell to him at a discount Great means if there's 800 zoos balance, sell it to him for 150. That 150 now deducts from the damages. Now he owns her tosefa. So it's true. If one day ever comes a time where he has to pay aksuva, he'll only have to pay out the 200. He'll not have to pay out the balance of 800 because he bought it by paying the 150, which was the offset to her damages. So why not mechayev him there? So, and, and the bride says, no, she doesn't have to pay her ksuva. When it says, the says, for the, to offset the damages. When it says, you have to say, the price is referring to, that again, that the ksuva was only 200, or only 100, depending on the almana or psula, it was only the 200. Since it was only 200 zoos, only the 100 zoos, there is no balance that you could sell. It, that's what it is. And also we have to say that it's referring to, that the damage was, substantively more than it. Therefore, in those cases, she's not required to sell to him the tovas hanor of either the ksuva, the balance of the ksuva. For example, the actual damage was worth four zuz. For the four zuz, we're not going to, he's not going to want to lose the 25, uh, 25 seller is... Uh, uh, the hundred zoos, the twenty-five seller, the hundred zoos. In order to pay the damage of the four, he's not going to be willing to sell off to 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 require himself to pay now a ksuva of a hundred. Okay, so basically, what comes out lemaskona so far? Like in, in conclusion, we said like this that when we said at the beginning of this brisa that we are not even when the woman damages the husband, we do not make her sell the husband the tovas hanor of the ksuva. We said like this. We said that that's referring to a case where there is no Tosefus Ksuva. There is no uh, additional amount to the primary requirement. And also, it has to be talking about that the actual value of the Ksuva is a lot more the than the damage itself. Because if the value of the ksuva is uh, equal to the damage, then it's in her best interest to sell him the ksuva, because otherwise for sure he's going to divorce her in order to collect the damages. Okay.
just remind me when she, we had previous cases where she was selling her kasuba to somebody else, not to her husband, correct? Yeah. Was she forced to sell it because she did damage to someone? Or well, the, the Gnesha says that she doesn't have to pay. So the question is, why not force her to sell? And the answer was, because if she's mochel to her husband, the buyer would lose. That's what we said. But here we don't have that, because the person she's selling it to is the husband. Well, it's like this. What about the following uh, b'risa? Now, the Gemara at this point thinks it's referring to the same case as we're dealing with right now. So the same way as she's not able to uh, completely sell her ksuva to a third person while she is married. She's not able to completely sell her ksuva to a third person. Why can't she completely sell her ksuva to a third person while she's married? Then she can't stay married. No, no, but aside from that, she could be because the person, the husband collect is No, because the husband has the rights of the... Uh, of the Tovas no. I mean, the, of, of, of the... The bottom line, the husband has the lien, meaning that she can't completely sell it because if... It's never a complete sale because if she dies first, the husband's the first lien on the loan, on, on the property. So therefore, she can't sell it... That's the reason why. She can't sell it completely to a third person because that third person doesn't really completely own it. It's true, possibly, that if the that husband dies first, the third person would be able to purchase it, right? However, if, in fact, she dies. she dies, the husband would collect it. So it's just that she cannot completely sell a property while she's married. Ksuva. So, too, we don't make her ever deduct her ksuva when she causes somebody damage, now it's even the husband, even if she causes the husband damage, will not make her deduct her ksuva, deduct from her ksuva the tova sano to completely sell him the ksuva. So Bryson says the base same way she cannot sell the ksuva completely to a third person, so too to the husband she'll never be forced to completely deduct her ksuva to the husband. Now what the Gemara's question is going to be is that that's not necessarily true. Because we said that's only with the, with, 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 with the following stipulations. That the value of the ksuva is more than the value of the damage. But if the value of the ksuva is equal or less than the damage, then we do force her to sell. So why is it saying over here, Kach lo says there are times where we are going to cause her to deduct her ksuva. What would be the case of that? If the ksuva, or the other example was where the, 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 the ksuva itself, let's say there's a, there's a tosephus, Right, you could even give an example we gave, or the other case was where you have a taksuva of a thousand zoos, which is uh, 800 more than the Doraisa requirement of the 200. We do require her to sell the balance to the husband. So Morris says like this, you're making a mistake. This second part, this brysa that we're talking about over here is that she is not required, that, 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 uh, same way as she cannot be, she does not lose, she not, uh, cannot sell completely her ksuva, so too she will not be required to lose her ksuva to her husband. It's not talking about damage. It's talking about something completely different. It's talking about a completely different scenario. Now let me explain it to you outside and then we'll read it inside. The one I was going to say that this is referring to what we learned in Masechus Ksuvas. There's something that called one of the stipulations, the conditions of a ksuva is ksuvas benindichrin. What is ksuvas benindichrin? It's the ksuva rights of the first bo- uh, of, of the male children. Set up the not stepchildren, step, male children. Step, set up the case. Man marries two women. First, first woman, he she uh, he writes her a ksuva of ten thousand dollars. Second wife, he writes a ksuva of five thousand dollars. Now, he has sons with the first wife, and he has sons with the second wife. Then the man dies. Right. Can even have the first wife died first. The same halacha would apply. Now, in such a case, what normally would say is, well, all the children divide the entire Yerusha equally. Makes a difference if they come from the first son. Let's assume there was a daughter born first. There's no Bechor issues over here. Okay? They would divide, all the children would divide the estate up equally. However, 
Chachamim instituted that the children from the first wife have a right to the ksuva of their mother. They first get the ksuva of 10,000, and the children of the second wife get the ksuva of 5, and then whatever's left over is divided up equally. Because they say, why, the, the children of the first wife say, why should we have to divide? Our mother was g- gifted a certain ksuva that's worth a lot more. We don't want to share that with the children from the second. So Rachamim instituted that being the case. Now, it says the Gemara like this. The din that the Gemara is going to say is, you might have thought, let's say a woman sold her ksuva. The first wife sold her ksuva for $10,000. Now, what that means is that if the husband would die first, instead of the woman collecting the $10,000, the person who she sold it to would collect the $10,000. And that's legit. That would be legitimate to do. What happens is she died first. Right? She died first. So the husband actually inherited her. The person who sold, she sold it to... That's the deal, that's the chance he took. He paid a discounted rate in order for that to happen. But what happens now? The, 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 the father, the, that husband dies. Do the children, the second children, have a right to say, there's no Maksuvah's been in Dichrin. The fact that your mother sold her Maksuvah, even though it never, the sale never came to fruition, she forfeits her rights to the Ksuvah's Ben that now the children cannot say we should be able to collect <coughs> that $10,000. There's a logic to that you should say that. The fact that she said, I don't want this Ksuvah anymore, I'm willing to sell it, that means she's giving up the rights of that Ksuvah. Once she gives up the right, that Ksuvah, then what right does she have to, to say, or that we have the right because of our mother that we should collect her Ksuvah. No, that was given up, that was forfeited. Right. So the, the halach is not that way. Because we say that since the mother, obviously if she was selling a ksuva, it must have been because she was under tremendous financial pressure. Why else would she do that? And that's not a sign that she's forfeiting all the rights to the ksuva. And therefore, if the sale never came through because she died first and the husband inherited her, those children have the right first. to ksuva's been indifferent. Similarly, similarly, if for some reason, if for some reason she was ceded her ksuva to her husband, for whatever, it was a damage situation, whatever the reason was, she ceded her ksuva to her husband, but instead of the, her husband died, she died, because she cedes the right to her husband, she's not giving up on the rights of when the husband eventually dies, the children will be able to collect again for the same reason. Because he said, why did she cede it? Because she must have been under financial difficulty. But that's not a reason to say that she's given up on the Ksuvah And that's what that end of the price is referring to. The same way that she sells to some, she does not lose, they don't lose the Ksuvah So too, if she cedes to her husband, there is no loss of Ksuvah That's what Rob is going to explain that the bride is referring to. Not talking about what we were talking about before. Says the Gemara like this. Let's see it inside. Uh, I'm a rubber. Safer, the second half of this brisa that we just quoted, is referring to the concept of the rights of the children from that wife, to, from that mother, to collect her, the ksuva for the, as part of the Yerusha initially, the initial collection without dividing it. And this is what the brisa is actually teaching. Just when she sells the ksuva to a third party, that if she dies before the, uh, the husband, and therefore the ksuva goes back to the estate, the children will not lose, the ksuva will not be lost. My time, what's the reason? Because we say that she was forced to sell because she needed the money, and her intent was not to cede all her rights of the, to, of the conditions of the ksuva. So too, if she sells the ksuva to the husband for whatever reason, my time, what's the reason? Same reason, that must be that it was pressured into doing it, and the fact that it never got paid out, it went back to the estate, they still have a right to collect from it. It was only an attempt. 
But she didn't actually sell it. It was only in, in the, the case of the uh, in the case of the, the, the to the third party. In the case of the husband, the chora then it went. The husband has it. The husband got it. So the, the, yeah. even though it's a different case, the husband, the wife dies. There was no sale to anybody. So the, the super goes back to the husband because she died first. Yes. But her children with him still have the right to the Yes. Yes. Now, something more like this. We yet we learned on on Shabbos. We learned yesterday that there is such a, uh, a thing of takanas usha. What is takanas usha? Takanas usha was that even though let's go with the way we explained of the Reish Lakish, even though Kenyan payros is not considered like Kenyan aguf, that if you only have usufructory rights, payros rights, it's not like you actually own anything in the essence of the item, and therefore technically, if the person who owns the item tries to sell it, you cannot block the sale. Right? You can only block it for the, the time period you have the right to the payrolls, but the sale will go through. When you lose the rights to the payrolls, then the sale will go through, because Kenyan payrolls, lafka Kenyan aguf. We said that in Usha, in order not to create that enmity between the husband and wife, so when the Chachamim gave the rights of the Nixem Alug, that means the husband has the rights in the properties to, to, to benefit from the properties of the woman, they gave him stronger rights than normal. means they gave him the rights as if he has a, 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 a rights in the essence of the item itself in order that he could pre- prevent her from being able to sell. That's what, uh, that's what, that, that's what the, that was Takonas Usha. So Gmorna wants to say that Lema Takonas Usha Tanoi, it would seem from the upcoming Brysa that this concept of is there stronger rights in the Nixon Muluk for the husband than normal is actually a machlokis tanoyim. The Tanichada, we have one Brysa that teaches, Avde Muluk, and Avde Muluk is similar to a land that's Muluk. Means she brought an Evet into the marriage. So she brought an Evet into the marriage, she owns the Evet, but the husband, he has usufructi rights. He's allowed to have the payros. He can have the evid work for him. That's called avde malug. All right. Now the question is: We know if you own an evid and you knock out the tooth or the eye or any one of the twenty-four limbs of the evid, the evid goes free. But it's only the owner. The so shaila is: If there's a case of avde malug, who is the owner that would cause the evid to go free if they knock out the tooth or the eye? <coughs> So now we have one Bryce that says, that since the Isha primarily is the owner of the essence of the Evid, if she knocks out the Shein Va'ayin, the Evid will go free. But the man does not cause the Evid to go free by knocking out the Shein Va'ayin. She is the owner. Even though he has Nixim Alug rights, she is the owner. But Tanya Idach, and we have a second Brysa that says, no, Lola Ish, Lola Isha, that neither party is now able by the Abdemelug to be called the sole owner to be able to be chayved, to allow the Evet to go free for knocking out the Shein Va'ai. Now, what's the machlokus between the two Brysas? One says only the Isha and not the Ish. One says neither the Isha nor the Ish. Savrua, the Bnei Yeshiva assumed, that the halacha follows Reish Lakish, and therefore these two brises are uh, following the halachic position that the owner of the payrolls is not considered to be an owner in the essence of the item. All right, which therefore like this. So my lava hakamivlig lechor is what they're arguing about. Man amr leisha leis leis leisha. The one that says that when the woman uh, knocks out the shein va'ayin of the evid, that means that even though the husband has nixem alug rights, but who's considered to be the owner? The isha. The husband he has no rights in the essence to be able to stop. The effort from going out of the shame. Obviously, that holds not. That does not hold of Takonas Usha. Because what does Takonas Usha do? Takonas Usha says that because you have the rights in the pay in the next Malug, you're uh, essentially considered to be an owner. And therefore, the Bryce that says, though, the woman still will be able to knock out the shame behind and let the Evid go free, does not hold of the Takonas Isha. The second Bryce that says, neither one is able to let the Evid go free, that does hold of Takonas Isha. Usha. Why? The Isha is not able to knock out the tooth and wife to let him go free. Why? Because Takonas Usha says, she's not considered to be the full owner anymore. 
because uh-huh. the husband has nixlimalug rights. Good. But on the other hand, the husband too, even though it gives him a stronger right to block her sales, for example, but he's still not completely the owner, and therefore, even when he knocks out, the woman blocks the Evet from going free. But it would seem to be that the machlokas is, this din of nixlimalug, did we say takonis usha on nixlimalug? That would seem to be the machlokas between the two brises. Everybody with me so far? So therefore, so the Bahakamifliki demands Amr the Isha lay uh, that that when the Isha knocks out, it 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 does cause the ever to go free because the husband only has payros, even though it's nixamalug, lays lay takonas usha does not hold takonas usha. Umanda amar lola ish lola isha, and the one says, No, neither the man nor the one are considered to be full owners, because each one detracts from the other one. I the husband only has Nixemalug. No, it's not a problem. Why? Because Takunas Takunas Usha gives him uh, uh, like uh, ownership in the essence. Isle Takunas Usha. So it would come out being that this Takunas Usha seems to be a machlokus tanoim. Says more no, it's not not the case. Loi. The Kula Alma Islehu Takunas Usha. Both opinions, both parties do hold the Takunas Usha. Ella, kan kodem takona, kan acher takona. Just the takonas usha, some of the Mishnayas were formulated, or some of the Bryces before the takona. So therefore, the difference over here is, was the Bryce recorded before takonas usha or after? The second, the first Bryce that says when the woman knocks out the tooth and eye, the ever goes free, that was before the takonas usha, because that was just the din of Kenyan Peiros, Lavka Kenyan Aguf Dami, the husband cannot stop the Evid from going free, because he doesn't, he only has the payers, he doesn't have the goof. The bride that says, neither one, the Evid goes free, that's going like, Takonas Usha. That's going like that, you do hold the Takonas Usha, therefore the husband blocks the woman, and the woman is still the, essentially the owner, blocks the man, and therefore the Evid does not go free in either case. Okay, so basically, Evid loses in both cases. Correct. Eboy's Ema, Edi Takona. Or else you could say that they are talking about after Takana. Well, if they're both talking about Takana, what's the Machlokas? For Isla Takana's Usha. And both of them do hold Takana's Usha. Elamand Amar Isha Velola Ish. My timer. Then you have to understand that why would they ever go out still when the woman knocks out the tooth and eye? If both Bryce's hold of Takana's Usha, then the bride that says that neither one goes out makes sense because each one blocks the other one because each one has a, an, a, a hold in the essence of the Evan. But the bride, the first bride says if it's after the Takana and they both hold of the Takana, so then why is it that when the Isha still lets him go, then uh, the Isha knocks him out, that's a, that's a, that, em, that emancipates the, the Evan. Why? So one says like this, this is based on Rava's teaching. We had this Rava, we've had a number of times. But the din is like this, we had in Yavamas, we had in Suvas, we had in Gittin, like this. Let's say I have, uh, there's something called an apotiki. Somebody lends me money, right? I can create an apotiki. Apotiki is that this is where you're going to collect from. I put a lien on the item, right? Gene lends me $10,000. I say, okay, this, my animal is going to be the assurance. That's the assurance that you're getting, from here you're going to get paid. It's even stronger than a normal collateral because this is where you're going to get paid from. It's called an apotiki. Potekoi. From here it lo- here is where it lies. From here is where you get stands, where, where your debt is going to be paid off. All right. Now, so that happened last week. Next, this week, I, I wake up one morning, I say, you know what, I want to give a carbon to the Beis Amikdosh. And I go and say, okay, this animal is Hegdish. Rava says that the power of Hegdish has the capacity to even break the lean creative on Apotiki, because Apotiki doesn't actually make a genes. It means a gene has the rights to it, has a shibut on it. I'm still the owner, and my koach of being makdashit will break. Now you can come after me and 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 and, and sue me or whatever it is, but that animal will become a korban. There are three examples that Rava gives that these are such powerful uh, changes of status that they can even break an apotoki, break an existing lien. The one is hegdish. The other one is I. Uh, I borrowed uh, 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 money from my, my from a non-Jew. Okay, I borrowed money and I took my uh, my ten thousand dollars of scotch, and I made that the apotiki. 
And then Pesach came. And I didn't sell it. No, it's, it's not I, no I did, oh, it, now what happens is it becomes Osir Bahano, it's of a Pesach. If he would have been the owner, it wouldn't impact it. But since the Apotoki doesn't actually make him the owner, the Koch of Pesach will wipe out the Shibud that the, uh, the, the, the guy has on that scotch. I'll have to pay him out of other money, but I'm not allowed to use Osir Bahano, I'm not going to be able to use that scotch. Third example. The third example is, it's going to pertain to us. Let's say I put an Evid as the Apotiki. Right? Lean, uh, Gene lends me 10 grand, and I have an Evid. I say, this Evid will be, you're going to take this Evid at $10,000 when the, when the loan is up. And then I went and freed the Evid. The Koach of Shichrur can break the Shibud. That's Rava says. So now let's go back to our case. In our case, the Chachamim came along and they said that even though the husband only has payros, he has the rights to the Evid, right? The Chachamim said, even, and, and normally that doesn't give him a, a right to the essence of the Evid, because they came along and Usha made a Takana to block the woman from selling. He even considered to be like a shtickle owner, like it's got, he's got rights in the essence. Now the shaila is, how powerful is that? So the first b'risa holds is that it's powerful, but it's not stronger than shichrur. Rava said that shichrur can break the strongest of shibudim, therefore the same way as Akim Meshachar and breaks the lean, here too, the fact that you have nichsa melug rights in the eved, Shikhrur is still stronger than that. And therefore, when the woman knocks out the tooth and eye, the Evid will be able to go free. That's what the first Brysa holds. The, uh, the second Brysa holds, no, that the Shibud is so strong, prevents the freedom. That we're going to see, it stops the Shikhrur, it stops the Shikhrur from, uh, from occurring. It's like, it's like, I'm, it's like, it makes me like mamish like the owner. Let's read inside. Tomorrow says like this. So, therefore, by that by a woman, the Evid will still go free when she knocks out the, if they hold the Takonis Usha. So, my time, what's the reason? What's this? Kedurava. It follows Rava's teaching. What does Rava hold? Because Rava said, Hektesh, Chametz Vashichrur, that if a person consecrates, or Chametz, a Pesach comes, or you release the Evid, Mafkin Medeshi, but it breaks the lean of an Apotiki. And therefore, here, Two, according to the Tana of the Brisa that says that she will be able to the Evid will go free if she knocks out his tooth or not, breaks the Shibud of the Nixa Malug. So you're telling me that there's a machlokas tanoyim in Rava. Because Rava said a shikhra does, and we have a machlokas. I mean, in the Amora Rava, there seems to be a machlokas tanoyim according to that. Where it says, loy. The kula alma isla de Rava. Everybody holds a Rava's din. Under normal circumstances, by a regular apotaki, hegdish, chametz, and shikhra will break the shibun. What's the argument here? The argument here, what is the power that the chachamim gave the husband for Nixem Malug. Is it p- more powerful than a regular Shibud of Apotiki or is it the same? Whereas it's like this. What the, the second Brisa holds is that this is even stronger than a regular Apotiki. We made him like the owner. And therefore, since we made him like the owner, even Shikhrur will not let the Evid be able to go free. That's the Machlokas. But they all hold of Rav's din. The Ibais aim, or else you could give another answer over here. The Kula Alma Laisluhu Lahani Tanoi, the Kula Alma Laisluhu Lahani Tanoi Takonis Usha. That according to everybody, these two Brises do not hold of Takonis Usha. These two Brises, maybe they're before Takonis Usha, maybe they're after Takonis Usha, they, don't, they do not hold of Takonis Usha. Well, if they don't hold of Takonis Usha, then you've got to go to the default that Kenyan Peros is not like a Kenyan Aguf. Well, if Kenyan Peros is not like a Kenyan Aguf, then the only Brises that makes sense is the one that says that the Evid will go free when she knocks out his tooth and eye. Because the husband's right in the Peros is not a right in the Guf. So what's shot in the... Uh, the Brysa, the second Brysa. So they have Baracha, the Kenya Peris, the Kenya Guf Dami. So that's what they're arguing about. The Machlokas of Yochan and Shlokish. Is Kenyan Peros, Kenyan Aguf? That is what they're arguing about. So the first Brysa that says that she go, the Evid goes out when she knocks out his tooth and eye holes, Kenyan Peros that the husband has, is not like a Kenyan Aguf, so she's the sole owner. The second Brysa that says neither one can knock out, she's the owner, and he's like the owner. Why is he like the owner? 
And that machlokas tanoim then between the two brises will be the same as a machlokas tanoim coming up that shows clearly that there is a machlokas tanoim whether you all Kenyan peres or Kenyan aguf. Now, in order to understand the upcoming brises, you have to know the following thing: if a person kills an evet knani, yuchayv misa. An evet knani is considered to be. Uh, on some level, a a a yid, and your chayv means you're killing an evaknani. There is a leniency that be, that if you're the owner, as opposed to if you're someone else, someone else, if you uh, shoot an evaknani in the head and it takes him three weeks to die, when he dies after three weeks, direct cause because of your gunshot, you are chayv misa. By an owner. If an Evet Kanani, you, you damage, you did something to Evet Kanani, and he's able to hold on, it says Yom Yomayim, but it means for 24 hours, he doesn't die within the first 24 hours, you're Potter. Whatever the reason is, that's the Psukim in the Torah, the Ferris Psukim in the Torah, that if you hit him, uh, and, 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 he, and, he, and, he, and he survives for Yom Yomayim, the owner will not die. Even though if you're not the owner, you could be executed for it. But if you're the owner, after 24 hours, there's a leniency. Is this shogun or mezit? No, no, obviously it's mezit. You don't execute somebody for okay, shogun. All right. Sure. So, why is it like this? So, why is it as follows? That will plug to the tanoi. This machlokus, whether or not Kenya Periske, Kenya Aguf Dami, is actually this, uh, this between the two brises, is also the machlokus tanoi, and that we're going to have four opinions over here. The stan you learned in a brisa. Hamochur Abdullah Acher. Someone sold his ever to a, 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 someone else. The deal was, though, for the first 30 days, I'm going to have rights to use him. So I'm selling my Eved to uh, someone for, for good, but I'm keeping the first 30 days he can work for me. So ostensibly, what is that a case of? I have the Kenyan Peros, and the person I sold it to has a Kenyan Aguf. Rav Meir Omer Rishon Yeshnobedin Yoma Yomayim. That the din of Yoma Yomayim, the leniency... Of that we give to the owner that the Evid will survive within for 24 hours, you will not execute the owner, that's given to the first guy who's only got the Peros, Lachora. Right? So therefore, because he's serving under him, he's working for him. Obviously, what does Rav Meir hold? Kenyan Peros, Kenyan Aguf, Dami. That Kenyan Peros is much powerful, like Kenyan Aguf means you get the leniency. Of Yoma Yomayim. The other guy, if he hits him within the 30 days, does not. Only the first guy. Kenyan Peris is Mamashka Kenyan Aguf Dami. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, I disagree. He says, Shani, Yesh Nabadin Yoma Yomayim. It's not the first guy that gets the leniency of Yoma Yomayim as the owner. Who gets the right of the owner? The second fellow. Obviously, what does he hold? Because you, he, it's the value, it's the ownership. Who owns the, who owns the value of the ever? The second guy. So he's the guy who gets Yoma Yama. Kasavar Kepeiros. Can you parents love Kenyan Aguf Dami? And the Guf is considered the owner is the second guy, not the first. So now you're already just shown. Now we're going to bring down opinion three and four. But the first two opinions show the machlokas of Kenyan Peros to Kenyan Aguf. Rabbi Omer, Shneyem Yesh Nabadin Yoma Yamayim. You've got to give them both the leniency. Now, how can you give them both the leniency? Make up your mind. Is Kenyan Peros Kenyan Aguf or not Kenyan Aguf? Whereas it says, Zemit Neshu the first one gets the leniency because he's got the Peros. He's serving the first guy. But then the second guy gets the leniency, Why? Because he is. The owner. He's the owner. He owns the value. Mara says, what's Pshat Nabiosi? Nabiosi is Masupak. He's not sure. Is the Allah Kenyan Paris Kenya Guf? Or is the Allah Kenyan Paris not Kenyan Guf? Since he's not sure, when it comes to Dinah and Nafashas, when you don't know whether to execute someone, Suffolk and Nafashos, Lahakel. Therefore, you have to go lenient and you can't execute the first guy nor the second guy because either one possibly, whether you hold Kenyan Paris Kenya Guf, he's not sure. Therefore, neither one gets executed and each one gets the benefit of Yom Yomayim. So therefore, Masab Kalei, he is in doubt. Do we say Kenyan Peres is Kenyan Guf, Guf Dami, or Lav Kenyan Guf Dami? For Suffolk Nefasha, then when you have a Suffolk, when it involves executing someone at dinner Nefasha, the capital crime, you have to go to Hagio Leniency. That's the third opinion. Rebbe Lezer Omer, Shneyam Einam Adin Yom Neither one 
gets the benefit of Yom or Yomayim. Means either one can be executed if the, even if the ever dies after 24 hours. Why don't we give the din ownership of the, uh, of the owner, uh, uh, of the Eved to either one? He says like this, he says, because it's not enough. In order to be considered the owner, you have to have two. You have to have the own the value, and it has to be under your control. You have to have the jurisdictional rights. It has to be in your under your control as well. Otherwise, you're not considered to be the owner for the din of Yom and Yomayim. Right? Lefi. Zelefi she'enotachtof. The first one, the second one, is off, uh, it doesn't have the din of Yom and Yomayim. Why? Because the second guy, even though he owns the Evid financially, but the Evid is not under his control at that moment. And the first one doesn't give Yom and Yomayim, because even though he's using the Evid, but Lamaisa, it's not considered to be his value. He doesn't have the ownership of it. So you need both. Amarava, my Talmud of what's the basis for Abelez's position? He says, Amakra kikaspo hu. The Pazak says, Why do we give someone the din of Yoma Yomayim? Kikaspo hu. The Pazak goes out, good kikaspo. What's kaspo hu? Means who it is. You need to have completely kaspo. Kaspo hamayuchid lo. It's completely designated to him. It cannot be that somebody else is using it in the interim. In order for the din Yoma Yomayim, it has to be mamish, not only your value, but it has to be meyuchid lo. Right, that has to be like you only designate to you, not for anyone else. Kaman Azlaha the Amar Amemer. According to which of the four opinions does the following din of Amemer go? It says Ish veIsha Shemachra beNichsem Elug. If a man or a woman try sell property that is Nichsem Elug, and Rashi says even if they try to do it together. Now there, the woman has the Kesef, the value. The man has Tachtov. It's under him. The sale is not a valid sale. Who does that go like? It goes like the opinion of Lezer. Why? Because Lezer holds, in order for something to be considered completely yours, what has to happen? You have to have both. It has to be both you own the value... And two, it's under your control right now. Which in the case of the Ish Visha, each one is deficient in one of those, uh, those cases. Right. So we said, uh, uh, right. Now. Says the more like this. Man Tanal Haratan Rabbanan. Who is the author of the following Brysa? It's a Misha Echetiev Evet Echetiev Ben Chorun. If you have somebody that is a half an Evet and half free, you have two owners and one, uh, relinquishes rights. So now it's Chatsi Eved, and half of it is owned uh, by one person, and the Eved's half free. V'chein Eved shall shnei shutin. Or you have an Eved that's owned by two partners. Ein yotim b'roshe evarim. He doesn't go out with it with the tips of the limbs, meaning there's no din shein va'ayin by him. Why is there no din shein va'ayin? The Eved will not go free. So Amar lei Rav Mordechai le Rav Ashi, hachi Amar Shmei de Rova, that we sit over the name there, that's going like Rabbi Lezer who? Because Milo Amar Rabbi Lezer, Kaspo, the same way it says Kaspo who? That in order for the din of uh, of Yom or Yomayim, you have to have both aspects to be considered the full owner. Here too, the Pazik says, Avdo. The Pazik says that if you hit Hikashino, uh, uh, what's, what's, what's the full Pazik? Um, uh, where's the Pazik? Um, the Pazik says, uh, it is also, it says, uh, uh, what's the Pazik over there by uh, Shane and Ayan? Ein avdo, avdo. It also says avdo. It has to be completely meyuchid law. It's not enough that you have the the the, the kesef, or uh, you have to have both the kesef and you have to have the uh, the ownership of the uh, uh, of the of the use of the ever the payros as well in order for the shein va'ayin to kick in. It's avdo meyuchid law. All right, let's go on. The Mishnah now is discussing the amounts that were assessed for boshes. This is for embarrassment. If you do the following act, this is what was assessed for embarrassment. We'll see if it's a set amount or sometimes it's subjective. We'll see. Zog Dehelga Mishnah. HaTokeh LeChavei. Rashi's Tokeh means either you boxed him in the ear or you screamed in his ear. It embarrasses him. Nozim Lasella. You have to pay a sell. That's four Zuz. Rabbi Yehuda Oymer Mishrim Rabbi Yosi Aglili Mona. A hundred Zuz. Satara. You gave a slap. Nozim Lasayim Zuz. That is very embarrassing. That's two hundred Zuz. La'achar yadi, you backhanded him. It's even more embarrassing. That is, nozim la'arbameos zuz. That's 400 zuz. Sarim ba'ozna, you pulled his ear. Talish basari, you pulled his hair. Raka ve'gir baroka, you spit and they spit hit him. 
Hever talisa mimena. He pulled his clothing off him. Paro rosha isha v'shuk. He pulled the cover, the head covering of a woman uh, in in the marketplace. No sin law or law in that case. Arba mel zuz. You'll have to pay four hundred zuz for that embarrassment. Now zeaklal. This is the rule. It all depends on the honor, the status of the victim, of the person that you embarrass. Now, this would seem to be somewhat contradictory to the first statement, because the first statement is making it a standard. So we'll have to see. It's a standard. Uh, it is a standard means maybe it's a, is it a lower limit standard or is it an upper limit standard? We'll, we'll see exactly in the Gemara. It's going to discuss how does that Kolifik photo interact with the first amounts that were given. Even the most impoverished of the Jewish people, which you would say, therefore, paying them off should be a very small amount for their embarrassment, no. He says, We look at them as these were once uh, aristocratic people, free people, means that's a lot of aristocracy. And therefore, now they happen to be that they don't have any money, which makes it you're going to have to pay more than if you looked at them as just straight out impoverished. Because look, they come from aristocracy, from, from royalty, you're going to have to pay more. Because we all come from Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov. There was a story that a person pulled off a head covering of a woman in the shuk. So he did what the Mishnah said, 400 zuz. Amar lo, Rebbe, tenli zman. So he said to Rabbi Akiva, he said, wait, before I pay the 400 zuz, just give me, give me a week, give me some time. So he gave him some time. Shamra, he, uh, he, he waited for her Omedes al Pesach that she was wait, she was standing by the court, uh, the, the entrance to a courtyard. So he waited for her to be standing by the uh, entrance to a courtyard. The shibur esakad v'fanel, and he broke a barrel of oil in front of her. Uvok iser shemen, and inside there was a small amount of oil, a, a, a insignificant amount, an iser worth of oil. She uncovered her hair. Gil says Rosha. She uncovered her hair. And she took the oil and smeared it into her into her hair. So the oil wouldn't go get lost completely. She used it. I don't know. Maybe uh, whatever whatever it does. But she, she used the shake of the sh- to soak it up. What? No. She, she says that she put the put her hand and she put it into her hair. Put it into her hair. So now, Hamid Alea Adim, this fellow had brought Adim to see that this was going to happen. He figured she would do this. Now he goes back to Rabbi Akiva and says, Why should I pay 400 zuz for embarrassing her, for uncovering her hair? She obviously doesn't care, doesn't bother. She was, for a small amount of money, she uncovers her hair. Alright? Uvalifne Rabbi Akiva, and she came before Rabbi Akiva. So Amar Lay, so, uh, uh, so Amar Lo, so this guy said to Rabbi Akiva, For this woman, I have to pay 400 zuz. So Amr Lay Lo Amart Klum. He says that's not a good argument. Why? Hachovel Ba'atzmo. Person can go ahead and stab himself. Avul Pishein or Shai. Even though you're not allowed to stab yourself, you're not allowed to hurt yourself. But you, if you do it, right? We're not we, right th- th- now. Right. Nevertheless, we're a potter. We're not going to say oh, yeah, that person has to pay. But if you do it to him. They have to pay. They can't say, well, he did it to himself yesterday, so I should have to pay when I did it to him. Or, if a person cuts down his fruit trees, their saplings of trees. You're not allowed to do it. It's a lot about You're not allowed to cut down your own fruit trees. But nevertheless, by uh, Potter, we don't have him to pay. But if somebody else cuts down his fruit trees, means the fact that somebody wants to do something to himself does not mitigate or abrogate your responsibility of paying him when you do it to him. The Bnei Yeshiva won't have the Shiloh. We had this before in Lamed Vod. That there is amounts, there's, there, there's this currency that it depends if it's under the Tsuri system or it's under the Medina system. The Tsuri system, the Tyrian system is eight times more than the Medina system, the provincial system. So when we said over here, a mono, which is a hundred zuz, but is it a mono, is it a tsuri mono, right, which would be a hundred zuz, or is it a, a Medina mono, which would only be twelve and a half zuz, it's one eighth. So we want to know, it makes a difference, where you said you have to pay a mono. See, Bailu, mono tsuri tnan, is it a tsuri mono, or mono Medina tnan, or is it a Medina mono? So Toshima, come and bring, bring your arrive from the following story. Ta'ahu Gavre, there was a person, to Tokalei Lechavre, boxed his friend on his ear. Asa Kamei, Rav Yehuda, came to Rav Yehuda, Nesiyot, Rebbe. So Amalei, Ha'ana, 
Here I am. We'll see what that means in a moment. Ha'ana, here I am. And Harab Yosegliel. And here's Rab Yosegliel, who in our Mishnah, what Rab Yosegliel says, you have to pay a mana. So Havle mana tsuri. Go and pay a mana tsuri. So Shmami no tsuri tsnan Shmami no. So you see in the Mishnah when it says mana, it means a mana tsuri. So Mona says, what does he mean? Here I am, and here's Rab Yosegliel. Go pay him a mana tsuri. What, what is Rabbi 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 What is he saying? My ha'ano hai Rabbi Yosei What does he mean by that? Now, ilayma ha'chikamer. Maybe this is what he's saying. Ha'ano dechazi. So here I am. I saw you do it. You don't need your aid. And the guy brought aid. Ha'ano, I'm here. I saw the. I saw it happen. For ha'ano Rabbi Yosei And since the halacha is to amar manatsuri, said Rabbi Yosei Glili says that's a manatsuri. Zil havle manatsuri. Go pay a manatsuri. So one way of the first way we're trying to understand what Rabbi Yosei Glili was saying is I don't need your aid. Why? Because Ha'ana, I saw it happen. Since I saw it happen, I'm paskining like Rabbi Yosaglili, you have to go pay the Manatsuri. Now, the point is like this. You need, in order to uh, uh, punish, a per, pen, penalize a person, you need a based in. Right? Now, it's true that sometimes a great person, you don't need three people, you can even do it with one. one. But Rabbi Yosaglili, that's the I mean, Rabbi Yehuda, Hanasi, that's what's happening. He's functioning as both as the witness and the based in. Right? Because Ha'ana, I saw it happen and I'm basking So he's the dying, he's the aid, and he's the dying. So says the Gemara, Lememra, does that mean to say the aid, not the dying, that a person who's an aid can also function as a dying? Vatanya, we learned in a Bryce, that's a machlok, because we're going to see either opinion holds that you can't. Let's say Sanhedrin happened to be standing somewhere and they saw Reuven kill Shimon. So, according to Rabbi Tarfun, Rabbi Tarfun says you cannot function as both simultaneously. So what you can do, let half the people function as the Adim, and the other part, will, part of them will be as an aid, and part of them will be as Dayonim, and this way you can adjudicate the court case. Mikzasa nasu edim. Part of them let them be edim. Mikzasa nasu dayonim, and part of them will be dayonim. Divi Rabbi Tarfun. So Rabbi Tarfun says that's how you avoid the problem of the aid functioning as a dayon. Part of them will be edim, part of the dayonim. Rabbi Akiva Omer. He says too late. Once they all saw it, they're all considered edim. That now uh, abrogates their capacity. It, pre- it prevents them. From being Dayonim. Adam Haim. The ain't Aid Nasadayan. And Aid can't become a Dayan. Now, you see that even according to Rabbi Yitarfun, who says it's not a problem, he still required a separation of duties. You could not have the Aid be the Aid and the Dayan. Rabbi, 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 Rabbi Kiva is even worse because he says once you're an Aid, you can't become the Dayan. So now, but what Rebbe did. Rebbe did uh, disagreed with both those opinions because he is being the aid and he's also functioning as the dying. How, how did he do that? Is he disagreeing with that concept? He says, Ad kan lo ka'am Rabbi Tarfun. Tarfun is only arguing the el de He says you can separate the two. Aval eid nasa dayonim. But to function as both at the same time, lo ka'amra, that he never said you could do. So therefore says the Gemara, so how could it be how, we wanted to know, are we creating a third position? You know, does Rebbe hold like one of those two positions? So say something more like this. The case over there was that the based in saw Reuben kill Shimon. They saw him kill him at night. They saw Reuben kill Shimon. It was at night. Now the problem with that was at night you can't be a dayan. You cannot adjudicate Cases at night. So that was the problem over there. So, Rabbi Akiva holds, since they all had the status of only Adim, for them now to come the next day and be the Dayonim on what they saw, that would be that there, it would be like, uh, it would be like uh, second-hand information. It's because they couldn't judge, they could not adjudicate at the time that they saw it. So therefore, the, it, it, what they explain in the position of Rebbe Halls, a dayan can be an aid as long as the information is first-hand. That what I saw, I could adjudicate on at the time that I saw it, then I can be the aid, can be the dayan. But if what I saw as an aid... I cannot judge at that time. And only tomorrow, then it's like second-hand information. It's like somebody coming to... Uh, it's not, you're not hearing it directly. Then you would need to have valid adim to be able to do it. So therefore, so that's the machlokas over there. Rabbi Kiva holds 
So Rabbi Tarfan says what you can do is just split split it up. Rabbi Akiva says it's too late. You disqualified yourself. Once you became an aide, then you cannot be the Dayan. Right? But that's only in that case. But in the case of Rabbi Rabbi Kadosh, at the time that there was the, the event took place, you could be both. Therefore, it's okay to do both. That's what it says. What happened, it happened at night. All right. So therefore, the uh, um, uh, it says. So therefore, Baharab um, uh, where is the place? which is not a time where you could function as a dayan, and that's what creates the problem. Another way you can explain what Rebbe was saying, because the question what did he mean, I am here? So he said, I am here, means I saw the Aedas, and you have a problem with dying becoming an, an A becoming a dying. No. I am here, the Svira Laker of Yosia Glili. I hold like Rabbi Yosia Glili. Damra Manatsuri, who holds Manatsuri. And therefore bring the Aedim, and you can go bring the Aedim, Zilavle Manatsuri, and you have to go pay the Manatsuri. Okay. So basically, the other way of learning it was, Hi, Anna, I am here, who holds like Rabbi Yosia Glili. Therefore bring the Aedim, and I can adjudicate for you. Then you not getting into the problem of aid, not to die. And then we'll stop over here.